a young heiress on a dream honeymoon, surrounded by enemies on a luxury cruise down the Nile. Can the world's most famous detective solve her murder before it's too late? All this can only mean one thing. We're comparing Death in the Nile, 1978, and 2022 on this episode of Retro vs. Remake. I'm Reggie Parker. And I'm Dan Bulick. Welcome to another episode of Retro, Retro vs. Remake. Remake. This is the series where we compare movies and their remakes. Join us as we answer the question, should this remake exist? Today's films, as Reggie said, are Death on the Nile. Reggie. Yeah, going right into it, Dan. Uh, Death on the Nile, 1978, starring Peter Ustinov, Jane Birkin, Louis Childs, Betty Davis, Mia Farrow, John Finch, Olivia Hussey, George Kennedy, Angela Lansbury, Simon Mack Corkindale, and David Niven. David Niven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, alumni. Uh, directed by John Guerman, screenplay by Anthony Schaefer, music by Nino Rota. Definitely now 2022, starring Kenneth Branagh, Gal Gadot, Tom Bateman, Annette Benning, Russell Brand, Ali Fazel, Don French, Army Hammer. Rose Leslie, <laughs> Emma Mackey, Sophie Okinado, Jennifer Saunders, and Letitia Wright. Directed by Kenneth Branagh, screenplay by Michael Green, with music by Patrick Doyle. Uh, both of these films are based on Agatha Christie's 1937 novel of the same name. Dan, what is your first experience <laughs> with these films? Well, my first experience with the source material is from reading the book. I'll start with that, but it has been years since I've read it, so I don't remember <laughs> if, uh, how accurate these movies are. But as far as the films go, I saw the remake in theaters, actually before you suggested it. Okay. And I hadn't seen the original, so this is one of the few instances where I've seen the remake first. Right. And then I'm going back to the original, and I wasn't going to pay for another movie ticket, so <laughs> I just got to go from what I remember there. So, yeah, I'm just watching these films recently for this podcast. That makes sense. Yeah, pretty much the same thing for me. Um, I was reading Definitely Now in anticipation for the movie coming out, so I finished that before the film, saw the film, and then, uh, same as you, watched the original later. And it's most likely because it's really hard to find the original very hard. I had so much trouble. I had to ask to log into your account because I was willing to pay. I always rent my movies and yeah. I'm always paying for them, but like I couldn't find anywhere to stream this movie. I was looking all over the place and then finally found out the Criterion channel had it. <laughs> yeah, so. you know the Criterion channel, everybody, of course. right? <laughs> yeah. Everyone's got that one. <laughs> Smart TV. So, but hey, we found it and uh, yeah, we got to watch them all pretty recently. Yeah. Cool. All right. I'm just going into it. I did a synopsis. Even though the films have like the same framework, basically, uh, I did kind of cut the synopsis short so that we could kind of explore the characters more. Mm -hmm. So we don't actually solve the mystery in my synopsis. Um, Lynette Ridgway is a young heiress who has it all. Looks wealth and the world at her feet. Her close friend Jacqueline de Belfort asks Lynette to hire her unemployed fiancé, Simon Doyle. Jackie's pleased when Lynette agrees, but Lynette and Simon soon start a whirlwind affair and get married. While honeymooning in Egypt, they are continually hounded by the jilted Jackie. 
To escape her, the couple board the luxury cruise ship SS Carnap. This plan falls apart as not only is Jackie on the ship, but so are many guests with motivation to harm Lynette. Fortunately for her, the world's greatest detective, Hercule Poirot, is aboard as well. At night, Jackie confronts Simon in a drunken rage and shoots him in the leg. The next morning, Lynette is found dead from a gunshot wound to the head. The next morning, Lynette is found dead from a gunshot wound to the head. At J is written in blood on the wall above her bed. Hercule Poirot must solve this crime quickly as even more guests start dying. Each respective film has Hercule Poirot work with a friend or an ally on board the ship to interrogate the passengers and solve the mysterious case of the death on the Nile. Yeah, so. Cool. Leave everybody in suspense rather than how the murder happened. Yeah, we leave some mystery, I guess, plausibly for you, but I'm sure we're going to break that up when we start talking about these characters. I think anytime you talk about a movie with the world famous Hercule Poirot, as uh, written by Agatha Christie, I think you got to start with that character, so. Of course. In 1978, we had Peter Ustinov, who I really don't know that well. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with him at all. Like, at all. But uh, he plays Hercule Poirot in the 78 film. Brilliant detective of all time. Hercule Poirot. And in the remake, we have Kenneth Branagh reprising his role as Hercule Poirot, the renowned detective. The murderer is here. And we'll stay here. Um, you're just kind of going back to what we were saying about Ustinov. No clue who that is. Yeah, no clue who that is. Never heard of him. And first impressions of him as Poirot, I didn't think that was Poirot. I was in the same boat. I was like, <laughs> this does not feel like no. Hercule Poirot. Not at all. He does not look the way you'd expect Poirot to look at all. He looks just like a regular dude. Yeah. And yeah. he's pretty boring because of it. It's like, it's so hard to see your crew of Poirot. I mean, going back to the previous movie, I know we're doing that, but Murder on the Orient Express, you know, we still had Kenneth Browner on the ring, but we had um, Albert Finney yeah. as Poirot. And that, he looked like Poirot. Was... He had a weird looking mustache. Yep. Uh, he had like, just a weird shape about him. The clothes he wore even just stood out more. Yeah. This Hercule Poirot, his mustache very disappointing. Yeah, You're gonna be disappointed. Small stash. Small stash. Like you guys, he just looks like a normal dude. It's so weird. I think you're right. Like no matter what you feel about Albert Finney's like over the top portrayal, mm -hmm. you're right. You immediately know. Okay, that's Hercule Poirot. Like the way he's introduced and shot. You're like, okay, that is our main character. When Ustinov shows up on screen, I'm like, is David Niven? <laughs> That, well, that's who I was like, oh, Niven's going to be Poirot? Yeah, I was thinking awesome. that. I was thinking that. And, you know, Poirot comes to the screen. And there's, like, no fanfare. It's like, hey, it's my old friend Hercule. I think uh, last time I saw you was some random mystery from the past. But there was no big intro. He just kind of walks on screen, shakes Niven's hands, and, then like, we're in the story. Just very underwhelming. Very underwhelming. Not only, like... You know, this is introduction and, like I said, his look. But, like, even, like, his mannerisms and yeah. just the way he acts, he doesn't have that weird quirk, I guess. No. Poirot po had kind of the, that weird... I'm very particular about, like, the way I do things and say things. And, like, sometimes when I talk to you, it's going to sound weird because I'm a weird dude. But yeah. I didn't really get that from the... From no. The I mean, I think they tried to play the humor more. And um, it never felt... Until maybe towards the end, it never felt like he was really analyzing anything. Right. It just kind of seemed to be 
kind of a smart ass really and not necessarily like the smartest guy in the room um like throughout the entire film there's a running joke because poirot is belgian and people keep calling him different like Mm -hmm. um what ethnicities or nationalities mostly French. french Mostly yeah. French. For instance, there was one German in there, which is like, no one thinks that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, how many times can you run a joke that I'm actually Belgian? You know, they do a lot, apparently, as an answer. <laughs> sure, it happens too much. Um, yeah, just, I'm with you. I never really thought that this guy was like a genius detective and world famous. He just felt like some guy. Yeah. You know, and we both read the books. Right. So it's like, even as a reader of the book, you're like, well, that's not even close. <laughs> to exactly. Faro should look or act. <laughs> it's a bizarre choice. And it. I heard that Albert Finney didn't want to come back because okay. the the whole cosmetic and all the makeup stuff sure. was just a lot of work to do. Okay. So I guess when Peter came on board, they were just like, okay, you don't have to do anything. Yeah. Like, what the? <laughs> that's yeah. so boring. You know, what's... What's the shame about that, too, is, uh, you know, when you're looking at even Murder on the Orient Express, both films, they're like all-star casts, you know? Yeah. Like, everyone's kind of somebody. And, like, I'm no shade to Ustinov. I've, like, never yeah. heard of this guy. <laughs> and when you're on screen like Mia Farrell, Betty Davis, and Angela Lansbury, it's like, you'd think the main guy would be, <laughs> you know, someone we know. And no. Yeah. It's a bold move to, to kind of <laughs> mm-hmm. cast your central character, your, your hero, as like uh, with a nobody. You know, it works. Yeah. Uh, but usually when it's a nobody, they're able to kind of make it their own. Right. And he just felt like a regular dude. <laughs> he did not feel like Poirot. Nah. Just maybe the accent. That's about it. So. <laughs> yeah, so as the movie went on, I think he caught his stride. And I liked when he was doing more of the analytical stuff mm-hmm. and like accusing people. I think those scenes worked well because mm-hmm. I think he had more one-on-one character work. Yeah. But just outright didn't feel like horror. Right. It, kind of his normal interactions with people when he's not being detected were pretty tame. Yeah. Compared to like this quirky guy who's everybody's going to be like, that's weird. Yeah. They just call him French all the time. That's it. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't, uh, yeah. Like you said, interesting choice. I'll say the same thing for the remake. Uh, it's really bold. A very interesting choice that they did with him here, too, to, yeah. To give backstory to a character who really never had it. Mm-hmm. You know, like Agatha Christie really just kind of let Poro do his his thing. You knew where he was from and you knew he was famous, mostly. But um, we get introduced to this film in a World War One sort of mm-hmm. campaign yeah. fight. I don't know, a skirmish? Yeah, it was something. Yeah. But like, there's a uh, there's a scene where uh, Poirot's uh, combat unit um, they they're basically going on a suicide mission, and there's no chance of su- success. But Poirot's able to look the, the wind; it blows this way. That gives mm-hmm. us time to, and he comes up with this whole plan, um, and they're able to get the uh, the jump on what the Germans or something. Sure, oh. yeah, everybody's <laughs> fighting the Germans yeah. in one of these world wars. Probably the Germans, uh, and uh, you know they win. They win a fight, so um, it's cool because you get to see kind of Poirot using his mental acuity uh, even in the past. But I guess these scenes are supposed to be humanizing because Poirot's captain is killed in this fight. Uh, he sort of personally blames himself for not thinking that would happen, 
Poirot's face gets injured, and I guess that's why he grows his mustache. Yeah. And he's got a fiance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on there. Uh, I do like this introduction because it does take place in the past, and like you said, we never really dive into a backstory right. for Poirot, so let's give him one. Fine. I'm all about it. Mm -hmm. It was cool, too, like, when we first think we see Poirot, we're introduced to the captain, because he's got that magnificent mustache, yes. right? And then we're like, I'm thinking, like, oh, that, that's a young Poirot. But no, there's a mustacheless <laughs> Poirot. And like you said, he's really smart and able to kind of lead the troops to victory. But I, I don't know. I, I thought that was really... I'm always amused by that. Like, I think that's fun when it's like, oh, that's Poirot. No, yeah. it's just, like, some guy you really admire. Yeah. And that's kind of... Who he was striving to be somewhat. So I thought that was like a cool little backstory for him. Yeah, I think it gives a lot of motivation. And, um, you know, whether it's in the original text or not, like, uh, you kind of understand why he's sort of, he's like not married. He's just kind of out there doing his thing, being a detective. And they kind of explain that through this backstory. So I felt, um, I felt it was interesting. Just because I don't think there's any other natural place to talk about this actress. Uh, uh, Susanna Fielding plays Catherine, who's Catherine Poirot's lover. I should go. Do you have any idea how love works? When you love someone, you love them. Who's killed during the First World War. Oh, spoiler. She's killed. <laughs> um, well, we knew this even going back to Murder on the Orient Express. Mm -hmm. He was like, you know, just longing over this picture of a woman, Catherine. And so now yeah. we get a little more of her screen time because we never saw much of her other than a picture right. in the first movie. Right. Remake. Yeah, and um, it you know it even fits into the backstory because he's a soldier, he's injured, um, she's a nurse, and you know we get some time to interact with him. Uh, again, sort of humanizing this Brana Poirot, giving him his own backstory, his own universe. It's not even in Agatha Christie's text, and uh, I think it, it gives this Hercule Poirot his unique. Stamp in place because there's obviously a lot of different interpretations of Poirot, and this is, I guess, the most recent one. And uh, I think Kenneth Branagh does a good job of making this uh, striking character that you can sort of easily recognize. We've given him two films with uh, different backstory and motivation, and he's fleshed out in a way that um, I don't think you would get in any other Poirot series, you know, yeah. outside of television. Yeah. So. Oh, for sure. And that backstory plays into his art. Yeah. Because he has never loved. But not this time. <laughs> right. Maybe. Maybe Poirot is going to fall in love and mm -hmm. let his guard down. Uh, he starts doing that throughout the movie. Uh, and ultimately at the ending, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost... Um, I don't want to talk about it yet because I think we have to introduce other characters. But yeah. We'll put a pin in like the boot character because that... When we do discuss that, that's a, I think that's a part of humanizing Poirot as well. Mm -hmm. But just to sort of set the framework for uh, the film, the you know the backstory for this film. In the original film, we had Louise Childs who plays Lynette Ridgway Doyle. Louise Childs. Do you think he'll sing a note for me? Why not? You're divine. In the remake, we have Gal Gadot as Lynette Ridgway Doyle, a wealthy Harris, and um, the wife of uh, a character's former fiance. We have the Karnak all to ourselves, a chef and enough champagne to fill the Nile. When you have money, no one is ever really your friend. 
I think this is another example where um, I felt like Louis Childs was fine, you know, but she didn't like immediately hit me as Lynette Ridgway either, you know, like she, she definitely had like that class and sophistication that you were expecting. But I, I think in the film with some of the different actors we had, it, it wasn't like this drop dead gorgeous girl who has it all mm. feel to it. It right. just, you know. Yeah. I think part of that might have to play with their introductions. Like mm -hmm. their introduction, she just kind of drives up the mansion and just starts talking to I guess, right. her servants or whatever. Yep. And then she just goes inside and talks to Jackie. And it's, you know, it's not like, ooh, <laughs> this amazing right. millionaires, this glamorous millionaires coming here. It was just kind of like, ah, oh, I'm just on the house. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's that's great. Yeah, it's a different introduction than Kamikadoo gets, for sure. Yeah, there, there's like um, two characters outside, kind of like in the book that start talking about it. I was like, oh, that's her, and she's rich. Okay. Mm -hmm. And like you said, she just kind of jumps right into uh, talking to Jackie. Uh, Gal Gal Gadot, to your point, does make this more kind of splashy, flashy entrance, and I think that's sort of what they wanted from this casting. Uh, someone that you could kind of dress up in a fancy dress, you know, get the glitz and glamour going, and uh, pull off this sort of girl who has it all. Everyone falls in love with her, wants to be her, you know. Even when you hate her, you still, like, you gotta be around her. So I felt she really captured that pretty quickly and was obviously a major selling point of the film itself. Yeah. So. And I guess her introduction in the original, she, like I said, she talks to a couple servants and then she talks right. to Jackie. In the remake, she's mostly with Jackie and Simon. Right. So you instantly are kind of in that love triangle mm -hmm. right away. So it's a little bit of a slower burn yes. than the original. Yes, but I think that it, I think that it works really well. Um, I will say, Louis Childs, I don't know if it's on purpose, but the way she interacts with people, she does come off as like a huge jerk <laughs> throughout the film, and is like very easily kind of hateable, or you can see why people don't like her. Uh, Gal, I, I don't know, the way she, I guess, when I see Gal act, I always kind of get a similar vibe from her, mm -hmm. and I felt like maybe she was kind of a jerk because she was aloof, versus as malicious as I think Louis Child's character felt throughout the film, but, uh, you know, even when she was doing pretty bad stuff, like stealing her husband, she still kind of had this, like, likable air but maybe she's just really naive um thought i thought she played that well yeah it's kind of hard to talk without talking about the other characters you're right there's a love triangle you're right so <laughs> to round out the uh love trial we have mia farrow from a 1978 film who plays jacqueline de belfort if the aunt of the vicar has never touched liquor just wait till she finds the champagne and we have emma mckay as Jacqueline de Belfort. Of course she does. Take it to the dance floor, silly. Uh, who's a former friend of Lynette Ridgway and Simon, scorn lover, who's Simon? <laughs> Simon McCorkendale as Simon Doyle. Don't you think you've had enough? Enough what? To drink. To drink. What business is it of yours? None, I suppose. In the 1978 film, and we had Army Hammer. Uh, Mr. DeLay himself as Simon Doyle in the 2022 film. Stay for a bit. She's working up for a scene. 
God, I feel so free. He plays Lynette's husband in Jacqueline's former lover. Um, very different intro of, let's just, I guess, start with Jackie. Sure. In these two films. Um, like you mentioned in the original film, she just kind of talking to her. He's like, this is my husband. I really want you to meet him and hire him. Yeah. Uh, we're introduced to her basically concurrently with, I mean, basically at the same time as Lynette, and there's no real discerning difference between them, really, if, if you think about it. But uh, in this this remake, boy, howdy, they're at the uh, they're at the jazz club, and Emma Mackey and uh, Army Hammer are doing I, I sex on the dance floor. Sex dance. <laughs> <laughs> the advanced sex dance. Um, that was a crazy scene. It was crazy because it's like I don't think people were dancing like that back then at all. No, I don't think so. But uh, yeah, it was pretty erotic. Uh, yeah, their dance, which I think was effective actually as a scene because to think that you would steal this man from this woman, right. like that's, that's bold. They pretty much fucked three times on that dance. <laughs> I know. So for her to do that, it's like wow. Yeah. yeah, so. Well, she gets her dance. She does get she does get her dance, and, you know, it's a different dance. Let's put it that way. It's the same dance. <laughs> yeah, but I thought that sort of dynamic intro in, uh, in that scene, you actually get an introduction to a lot of different characters in the jazz club, and that's cool, because we're, like, right. Consolidating some of these meetings and yeah, yeah. So you know, let's let's uh, spend a little less time introducing everyone at a time. They're all here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like there's a couple more we got to get to, but you're able to get like what six to seven uh, passengers in that one scene, and you get different. How do you put? It? You get to see some some background work for these characters mm -hmm. in in those scenes, and that Jackie. Simon dance at the beginning was like really just took the movie kind of full steam forward and said, all right, these two are a thing. As soon as Galvedo breaks that up, you're like, okay, you can tell there's going to be passion oh, yeah. <laughs> when, uh, when she gets kind of ghosted by uh, Simon. You could definitely understand why she starts going crazy. Mm -hmm. Almost immediately. Um, I'll say, I'll say this, that, um, when it comes to the, the Simon Doyle characters between Simon, that Corkendale and Army Hammer, I actually thought that the original felt more like what yeah. I think Simon mm -hmm. would feel like. For sure. Yeah. He, it, was, it made more sense to me right? uh, that she would uh, want him, uh, Lynette, mm -hmm. would want this guy. Uh, for Gal Gadot to go, oh, Army Hammer with a weird mustache. Yeah. It's like, hmm. Yeah. Okay, my bias might be showing because I'm not a huge Army Hammer sure, guy. Sure, sure. But like, nobody is right now. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, Army Hammer just didn't seem to have it. Nice. Yeah. But the other guy who played Simon, um, Simon McCorkendale. <laughs> yeah, Simon McCorkendale. No, like initially when I saw him, I was like, uh, I don't quite see it. But then like, I was like, okay, I, I could see yeah. like him taking that girl. But like, I could never see Army Hammer just like doing it. Right. Like he did. Right. I mean, I think he pulled off the, uh, the kind of like... The horny guy? Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. Army pulled that off. Like, uh, the original guy. It's like that... The kind of... 
uh, dumb, well, you know, kind of like jock guy, you know what I mean? Just like a guy that, he looks good, right? Um, but I, I don't know, there's something about that, that weird, like, old English. And I yeah. don't know, you're not yeah, scrawling. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I can't talk like that. It's jacking. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I've been shot. <laughs> Ah, yeah, it, he does some over acting yeah. for sure, especially after he's been shot. But yeah. man, I had fun watching. Yeah, it. he was a lot of fun. He was a lot of fun uh, throughout the film. And you get the the shot scene like three different angles because the way they're telling the story, which is pretty cool. And I know he could have been in the last one, but I kept thinking like Michael York. Yeah, <laughs> watching Michael this guy, York. I was like, that could have been Michael York. Yeah, man. that's awesome. That's awesome. But yeah, Army Hammer. I, I don't know. Just to kind of talk about it, I guess there was controversy with Army Hammer being accused of, I guess, harassing women or like being a cannibal at some point. There's all kinds. <laughs> yeah, of, that is a cannibal thing. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 something happened with Army Hammer, <laughs> and this movie kept getting delayed. And I think that I bet there's a version of this where he's more involved. Hmm. I think they kind of let him take a bit of a backseat in this film. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think he got released in 2022 to let some of the heat come off of him so they could, you know, Maybe, yeah. <laughs> not get crushed in the box office. So, um, I, I think he is though effective at moving the story along. Uh, I'm not really super convinced that he's Simon, like, like you mentioned, but he's, I don't know. I think he's a good utility player in this film, but I really love the overacting in the original. Mm -hmm. I think that that, made it a lot more fun. A lot more fun, a lot more memorable, too. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I saw this movie in theaters. I don't really remember a lot of what Army Hammer did, no, except just the dance. sexy dancing. Sexy yeah. dance. Yeah. <laughs> just really horny. Like, we got to bang out here on the pyramids, gal. Yeah. Like, Man, I guess. <laughs> if I had gal, I'd be suggesting that, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Army Hammer, not, not doing it for me, but I felt Emmy Mackey and Mia Farrow really put in some work yeah for i sure i love scary mia farrow just like you're on the pyramid she comes out nowhere did you know that <laughs> 75 meters in diameter across 128 <laughs> in ancient giza was once known it was like get the fuck away yeah. from me welcome to the temple of abu Simbel. the facade is 84 feet long each of the statues of ramesses the second is 65 feet high <laughs> creepy random facts Jackie yeah. gotta love it <laughs> random facts crazy eyes Mia Farrow does really good mm -hmm. uh, when she actually has the gun she's like pointing the gun at her own head like yeah. she's the fucking joker this gun right against her head and then ever so gently she <laughs> it's, it's crazy like I I loved her her switch from uh this like nice bubbly like over the top girl who like she's right. in love so mm -hmm. I'm out of my fucking mind mm -hmm. to then like oh my god I can't believe I shot you <laughs> she, she does it all so well and Mia Farrell is definitely one of the uh, standout players in this film uh, more so than Hercule Poirot <laughs> like, <laughs> like again another character that makes the movie fun because it's it's not always as funny, <laughs> but some some characters do pull that out, and I thought she was great. I was like, man, I want to see Mia Farrow more things. 
because yeah. of what she did here. No, I mean she's uh, she's easy to sympathize with because mm -hmm. like she is like really sweet, especially yep. in that opening. You know, she's just like I'm just so in love. You don't know <laughs> yeah. how in love I am with this Simon. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> and then you do feel for her, and I do like that. Like you know, she wasn't like I'm gonna get you. She just came out with <laughs> random facts, like, yeah. like creepy tour guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, creepy tour guy. That was a hundred percent the energy. <laughs> oh man, she's just giving you latitude and longitude, and you're like, I want you to not. Be here anymore. <laughs> it, no, it's a great performance, and yeah, it, even in the remake, uh, Emma McKay or Mackie, mm -hmm. she was great. Uh, oh, I really awesome. fell for her, like her turn. Like I really just like felt her pain. I think she was able to really yeah. translate that so that the audience could just feel like that scorned lover kind of a vibe. Yeah, yeah. Because I'll say this: like Emma Mackey, I thought did a great job because I like Gal, right? But I felt she looked like Lynette. But she wasn't giving us a lot on the back end. And I felt like the way Emma Mack was able to do this Jackie DeVille for it, I wish that someone like that was playing Lynette too, just to get more out of the character. Mm -hmm. But like Emma, uh, she was so good in the film, just like going, um, like her crazy was very believable. <laughs> and when she kind of mellowed out afterwards, it felt natural to this character as well. I, it never felt out of place where, like, Mia, I loved it, but, like, it was, that range was, like, all over the place. Uh, it felt very consistent, but I, I thought she was a real driving force in the film. I, I really liked her performance. I'll give this to a slight edge to Mia Farrow just because, like, Emma Mackey, like, she looks pretty glamorous. Yeah. Right? Was, like, when she walked into a room in that red dress, I was just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm forgetting about Gal Gadot. Like, right. So, I think, like, you know, this is going to sound really superficial, but just, mm -hmm. like, looks-wise, they're a little more, like, There's a, nice. there's yeah, a tier list. Yeah, they're kind of they're even. But, yeah. like, um, you know, in the original, Lynette is always dressed glamorous, and mm -hmm. then you got Mia Farrow's Jackie, very not glamorous right. at all in the way right. she dresses, especially point. when she's doing like the random facts. <laughs> but you know, so it's a little more, I guess, believable that this guy could leave her for this glamorous woman. Sure. Cause Emma Mackey looks she pretty looks good. Great. <laughs> the whole time. Uh, you know, I, I also think Mia got a lot out of uh, Lewis Childs. Cause once Mia Farrow started bugging her, like it was almost like that meme, you know, where the, Lady's pointing at the cat that's like sitting, like she's just so mad and screaming and stuff like that. Like, I think she elevated Lynette Ridgeway to like match her crazy, sort of. Um, and I never felt like Gal Gadot could match Emma Mackey's crazy. And like you said, Emma Mackey does look like she could put up a fight yeah. with Gal Gadot. It's not so unbelievable that, like, they left. Good point. It's a good point. I, I don't know. I, I, think that in combination that original love triangle mm -hmm. works better yeah because like everybody's pulling their weight yeah oh my life <laughs> you know like ah that was so good it's fun man. so good he's, he's great oh man like that yeah that alone <laughs> i think pulled over the top um yeah e everybody plays a role and because of the nature of the film and when Lynette Ridgway dies, like, Lewis Childs being, like, maybe not my favorite person. Mm -hmm. Doesn't really matter, because, yeah. like, done, right? Right. So when we can focus on these other two really strong They're players. They're really strong, yeah. Yeah. And then once Gal Gadot's gone, 
You got... Oh, you forgot her name. You got Emma McKay? What, Mackie? Yeah, he, Mac, whatever. <laughs> you got Emma Mackie, mm -hmm. and then she's great, so I'll follow that journey, but then I got also far, following over Hammer. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, like, in a film that is an ensemble cast like this, when you get your basically top billing out of a film, that's yeah. not a good thing yeah. <laughs> anymore. Yeah, she was pretty much the top billing. <laughs> you know, like, okay, the star of your movie is now not in your movie. Where do you go from here? It's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem <laughs> these, these days it is, you know. Um, it's really hard to sell an audience tickets and say, I'm only going to give you this star <laughs> for half the movie. It's like, that's not really what people pay for. So no. I think that's a problem that they run into that you don't run into in the original because everyone's pulling higher than... Hercule Poirot, so you can't really, you almost can't miss <laughs> in this scenario. But uh, it's super edge to the original. But I, the sex dance in the remake, uh, it, it, it put him in the fight. <laughs> that was the scene. Well, because we've introduced these sort of um, these main players, it does allow us to kind of build back into Hercule Poirot because we get to meet up with his sort of ally, who's helping him. Uh, as the film starts to progress. So, in the original film, it's David Niven, uh, a returning character, who plays a character that's actually in the book, Colonel Ray. David Niven, she must have known something about the Met Doors murders. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we have Tom Bateman in 2022, reprising his role as uh, Book, who's Hercule Poirot's friend and In this film, there's a character named Euphemia, and uh, he is Euphemia's son, who we'll talk about later. Right. Um, David Niven, I, it's good, you know, he's, he's Niven. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he doesn't get a lot to do, but I think it does sort of match Colonel Race in the book, which is he's very much not Poirot's equal. They're amicable and they're friends, but, you know, they... Hercule Poirot is basically doing all the thinking. And Race is like, I don't know what the hell's going on. And he never knows what's going on <laughs> in the film. So, like, Niven, I think, um, he plays it well. He gets some little action scenes. He gets to, like, stab a snake. That was pretty cool. But before that, though, he gets to decipher some Morse code through the wall. That's true. <laughs> That's pretty badass. You know, your buddy's just waiting there, waiting for you to hear some tapping. Yeah. To save your ass. And, and like, immediately be like, oh, shit, that's Morse code. <laughs> Let me go into the next room and stab a snake. It's like, wow. Yeah. You almost wish he was Poirot. Yes, I did wish he was <laughs> Poirot for sure. And Hercule Poirot didn't stab these snakes in that film. No, not at all. He didn't have an awesome action sequence like that. But yeah, I think <laughs> David Niven, between the two of them in that original film, yeah. Niven's my more interesting, my favorite I character. Know. He doesn't uh, talk as much, which actually may not be a bad thing either. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I like Niven. I like that it's a character that's in the book. Um, and that's one thing that this original does a lot. And as we keep talking, we're going to start branching in. The remake does not. The remake has characters switched around, um, different names. Some characters are missing, some characters mm -hmm. there who wouldn't be. 
And it's an interpretation. And this original is mostly sticking to the script of the uh, the text right. and doing one-to-one -one with their cast. But uh, like I said, Niven was fine. Did make you wish he was the main guy. Uh, in this remake, I really did like Book coming back. Even though Book's not in this book at all, mm -hmm. uh, we're continuing the Branna Poirot universe. So I think that was fine. Um, and he was really sort of humanizing and, like you mentioned, helped basically give Poirot his entire arc in this film. It goes like fiancé, Book, and then his final sort of evolution, I guess. Mm -hmm. But, like, you don't get that at all without Tom Bateman's character in this uh, in this film. And he's most of the humor. Again. Yeah, even his introduction, just being on the pyramid. <laughs> I thought that was so crazy. <laughs> like, uh, I'm flying a kite on the pyramid. Have you ever seen anyone fly a kite on the pyramid? I don't think so. <laughs> that was fun. I didn't know why it was happening. <laughs> like, tonally, I was like, this does not make sense for the source material. Right. But, okay. No, I was happy to see his character back. I liked his character in the first movie, mm -hmm. so I was fine. Let's bring yeah. it back to the sequel. You know, kind of we, we can kind of make a way for it, why he's there. Right. Like, sure. Right. Okay. Sure. Um, back, but going back to the pyramids. So, like you can kind of tell the little green screen. Going yeah, yeah, yeah. But was, they were really on the pyramid in the original film. Like yeah. they were not, not the biggest one, but they climbed to the top yeah. of a pyramid. Well, they'll do that. <laughs> Did their own stunts. Yeah, that was some interesting green screen work. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's so fun though. It's like, why are you up there? Uh, the levity that it brought to the film was good for me, and he just felt like a light character while a lot of people were being heavier. Um, I, yeah, I was gonna say I like how his character starts off. I don't like what they did with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I know what you mean. So like, basically, how is how is end? Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> No, that's a good point. I mean, uh, Tom Bateman's character takes over kind of responsibility for characters in the book. You know, like, it, to make him, I don't know, like, I don't know what they're doing, actually. But to make him have his ending in that film, it required him to kind of be uh, an antagonist. Like, it required him to do something bad and... It's like you've got this character that you built up all this goodwill. Right. And then all of a sudden, we're going to start shitting on him. Yeah. And not give him any chance to redeem himself. Right. No, no chance to redeem himself at all. No. So, yeah, that's that's not great. Because then you go back and because this is a universe now, like, put it in perspective with the Orient Express. Right. right. Was he doing crimes right there? Well, Poirot didn't say so. So he must not have been doing a crime at least that time. But he could have been because now I know he's capable of it. Yeah. I think they doing some like random lines where he basically was like, uh, he he went too far, like crossed the line basically. But he didn't need to cross the line, like at all. Um I don't care that in a nineteen thirty seven book there were characters that stole necklaces. Right. <laughs> I cool. But you didn't put them in this story. Mm. So, like you could make another character <laughs> um Book. I don't know. Call him a movie. I don't know. Like, like, doesn't matter. Uh, don't give this fun character baggage that isn't in his book <laughs> and isn't in your book. Like, it, it's just like, all right, we we've tarnished the book name, and he's one of the most fun things happening 
in this film and the previous. So it's not it's not a good choice, I think, to have him take this villain, not villain term, but like a uh, kind of rogue term. I mean, should we get to his arc? Because it is pretty interesting. We know yeah. we, have, we have to introduce the other characters, like his mom and his sure love. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll do more intro so that we can kind of talk about every aspect of uh, I guess his mystery. So kind of. Kind of building on that, um, I think you would need to talk about these characters to fully discuss what they did with Book in the film. So, in the original um, film, we have Angela Lansbury, who plays Salome Otterbarn. Angela Lansbury. You see, I know all, all I can. And in the remake, we have Sophie Okonedo, who plays Salome Otterbarn. And in the 1978 film, they stick kind of true to the, uh, the original novel. In Salome, uh, I'm going to say, I'm probably saying it wrong. So, uh, they, they stay true to uh, the novel. So, Mrs. Otterborn in the original is a romance novelist who uh, likes to drink. <laughs> and in the remake, Mrs. Otterborn is like a jazz singer, which plays into like a poor role love story because he gets to see her play jazz. So they, they kind of switch what this character does. Mm. And I think in the remake, I think it actually works because we're doing this Perot love thing. But I do like that the original gets to sit in this Angela Lansbury <laughs> drunken portrayal. I think that's a lot of fun in the film. And she just chews up scenery in a, in a fun way. Yeah, yeah, she's a really fun character, and I always enjoy seeing Angela Lansbury and anything where she's, I guess, not that murder she wrote yeah. <laughs> character, so that's always fun. As far as uh, Sophie in the remake, you know, because there is this huge arc for Poirot, mm -hmm. this love arc, or just maybe just change in general. Yeah. So it depends on how you feel. Like, do you feel like we needed to have that love story in this murder mystery as well, or... Could we, we just focus on the murder. <laughs> we, we could, but, you know, this is a, weirdly enough, Poirot-centric film. Mm -hmm. in, a, in a story where, actually, in a lot of ways, Poirot takes a backseat to this sort of big Ridgeway character. You know, um, to have this movie be so focused on Hercule Poirot, you know, I, I guess it depends on what you, what you want, right? Like, mm -hmm. if you want to see true to the, um, the source material, I don't think you'd like that at all. But I think if you like this Poirot that Branagh has made, then maybe you do want to explore these stories. So it really would be subjective, but um, I think for the film that they made, I think that this type of these types of moves work. So I was okay with it, even though it made it hard for me to follow the mystery, right. as it were, if, if you know the source material. Yeah. I think, and I'm just going to get into it now, I think that there's so much, like, not just his arc, but even books. There's two love stories right. going on. Right. In addition so, to the main love story that's a reason so, for a murder. So, so, so let's talk about his love interest, just to yeah. introduce me. Uh, in the original film, you have uh, Olivia Hussey, who plays Rosalie Otterborn. I really must be going. No, no, It's a very sad And then in the remake, it's Letitia Wright, who plays Rosalie Otterborn, who's uh, Sloane's niece. Business manager, Lynette's classmate, in Boop's 
Uh, love it. Call it a night, Jackie. Yes. Right. So we got we got a, we got a love story with Poirot and yeah. So um, Salome. Yeah. Is that anything? Else? That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. So we have a we have a love story or a love arc, I guess, with Poirot and Salome. Salome. Oh, God damn it. Okay. So we got a bunch of love stories going on. Isn't it's it? not a boy. Okay. In the remake. <laughs> Okay, let me do that again. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, so we got a lot of love stories going on in the remake. We got Poirot and Miss Otterborn. Mm -hmm. We got Book and the younger Otterborn. Yes. And then we also have kind of Simon the and Simon and Jack <laughs> yeah. and Lynette. So there's a lot of love stuff going yeah. on. And, yeah. you know, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I don't think we needed all that. That's a great uh, point. I was just like... Okay, I guess the, he has a love arc. He has a love arc too. So, I, if you, I feel like this movie focuses less on like the murder mystery aspect of it, mm -hmm. and it really just becomes more of a character study. <laughs> it does. Um, yeah, I would say that that's a fair assessment of what this film does. And I don't know, like the book love story is introduced. In a very small amount of time and we don't get a lot of time to sit with that before his sort of final conclusion and because of that like the love story ultimately is kind of irrelevant you know like yeah. i don't know i think they're using book to kind of pull on our heartstrings in a way that uh undermines the character like i don't know why i need to know that book's in this love story with um letitia wright's character yeah. If we're not going to actually get to complete that, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was a weird choice, you know, like because there, as it was happening, I was like, okay, okay, I kind of like that they're doing this, mm -hmm. and because Colonel Race doesn't die, and Book has taken a Colonel Race, right. <laughs> you know, right, he's, just taking, he, he's, he's taking Race's place. He's, he's <laughs> Colonel Race in the the uh, movie. I was not expecting that at all, and honestly, I like we're talking about, I didn't like it because I, you just gave me this interesting love arc and like, um, you could potentially talk about like a race component cause they made her a jazz right. singer instead of a novelist. So like there's all these elements that are sitting right here on the surface that you're like, Oh, we're going to bake this. We're going to fully bake this plot in and complete this great arc. And then you immediately take book out as this like surprise, uh, spoilers as a surprise death. Yeah. Well, I want to get into it. I really do. So I think let's just talk about his mom really quick. Yeah. So I, w I do want to get into this love story about Boot because it is, there's a lot of focus on it. Right. <laughs> and, and like we said, we're not sure about that ending. So we also have in the remake, Annette Benning as Euphemia. That's the mom, Boot's mom. Mother, you must meet Hercule Poirot. Why? He's only the greatest detective alive. Oh, he exaggerates. No, he's quite correct, actually. You're quite the most ludicrous man I have ever seen. We're introduced to her. She's, you know, Book. We talked about him or being silly with the uh, kite on the pyramid. And she's actually painting that. Yes. So, so uh, yeah, so she loves her son very much. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it's a loving mother and she supports her son a lot, but she doesn't improve of one decision in his life. And that's, um, I guess, his love interest. Right. And she doesn't uh, approve of Rosalie. You know, Letitia Wright's character. Right. So, like, you know, I, I guess I 
get that. It's so like a little bit of an overplayed trope, the sure. unimproving parent over this young couple, and they're probably going to go through it anyway. Right, right. Um, so she's not approving of it, which plays into his arc because he needs money because he can't get it from her. Right, yeah. So he... Uh. So, like we said, we built up all this goodwill, Boog. He's the one that steals the necklace. Right. Panics, puts it in his mom's shit. It's found there. But, yeah, it's just messy, and it has nothing to do with, like, the original film. No, it has nothing to do. Excuse me, the the original, well, yeah, the original film or the... The source material, yeah. So, the way Boog gets the necklace, he goes into the next room after she's dead, Right. right? Sees her dead body, doesn't say anything to anybody, just takes the yeah, necklace. Yeah, that's pretty rough. It makes him such a piece of shit. That's that's not good. Builds up so much goodwill with him, not only the beginning of this film, but with the entire film that came before, Burn the Morning Express. I didn't think so. So now that. he's a thief. Yeah. He's a liar, and he's gonna eventually be a witness to a murder, and not talk about that either. Right. So we've just done so much to knock his character oh, down man. into like what a shitty person, and then. And then while he's being interrogated about it, he's going to get killed. So fuck any relation arc, like we said. It's such a weird way to go with the character. I understand killing a character that you like. Sure. Well, you don't fucking just destroy his character right before that. Well, you know, you could. You could. Usually it's done to villains, though, Reggie. Usually it's done (laughs) to villains. I mean, you can flame throw a lot of people's favorite character if that's what you want to do. You know, know, that was a good... That was a good artistic choice because, you know, let's keep Army Hammer's character intact and destroy Tom Bateman. Yeah, you know? that, that's so weird. Like mm-hmm. I said, I liked Book in the previous movie and I was happy to yeah. see him return. I did not like that. We're interrogating him. Right. Like, almost, I thought we were going to accuse him of the murder. Right. Like, oh, he, he did it. I, right. I, this is an interesting choice. We got a little bit of a twist here with the remake. But no, he was just a real piece of shit. Right. And you were rooting for a piece of shit the whole time. I hope you know that audience. You, like, you make me audience. feel like an asshole. He <laughs> told me he was nice, but he's not. Yeah. Because I remember uh, when we watched Murder on the Express, I said that I thought Boop was great. He didn't, he wasn't what I expected right. that character looked like, but what he did was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then because of the work from that first film, we're on board. It's this guy. He's flying the kite. Hey, He's awesome, man. It's our buddy. Yeah. It's good to see our buddy again. It, it really was, actually. Like, I actually genuinely enjoyed seeing Tom Bateman and Kenneth Branagh mm-hmm. interacting. It's yeah. some of my favorite parts of the it's film. Like the Batman and Robin of this universe. <laughs> yeah. But now we're going to kill Robin, and he's going to be a whole piece of yeah. shit. So you, I don't know Tom how to Zell, react. Zell, we don't have brainwashed him. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? But he's, he's an asshole. Um, yeah, it sucks, man. Um, it's such a weird choice to do that to a character, like you said, that you built so much goodwill towards. Two, two films two, worth. Two films, yeah, two films worth. Two films worth. We're going to kill him. Uh, I don't think people like that. We'll just make him a piece of shit. Don't worry. I just, I don't know. And then it forces um, Letitia Wright into this weird mm-hmm. spot, too, where now she has to be like three characters combined into one, but even though... None of that matters because she's also this other character whose only job is to make sure her mom isn't like, <laughs> like she doesn't want her mom to fall into financial ruin. I think she has some strong moments in the film, but because her backstop is Book as well, 
the only reason that you're going to care about Letitia Wright is because she's in a relationship with right. Boo. Because Boo cares about her, so we care about her. Right. And we want them to, you know, succeed and be approved of and right. everything. Because, like, Salome or whatever, like, she, Mrs. Otterborn, is doing her own thing. Yeah. Like, she carries a gun. <laughs> she's a pretty tough lady. She's, like, actually, uh, the way this film's designed, she's actually in this, like, love arc with with Poirot. Uh-oh. Which makes her an elevated character. Yeah. Like, she's, like, even yes. to him. Like, she's a match for him. Right. So that significantly elevates her character and her standing she, with the, the other character. The, the other most characters. interesting man in the world is very interested in you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome. So, like, Letitia Wright, although she gets these sort of badass moments, like, actually, I saved all this money and I, you know, I can shoot too and all this stuff. It doesn't really matter because... Unfortunately, no matter what you do with a character uh, in Hollywood, the the couple or the man that she's attached to, that's where where they are in the film. So, like, once Book is gone, her only job is then um, take care of Euphemia. So now she's taking care of two old ladies. <laughs> like, what, what are we doing here, man? <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought there were some really strong moments in, like, her pushing back and saying, regardless of who is trying to stop us, we're going to be a couple, is a strong motivator for her, and it's taken, like, a scene later. Yeah. It, it <laughs> the, it's one of the weirdest love arcs I've seen in a film, because yeah. it, it was just out of nowhere, and then it was gone, like, seconds later. Yeah. And then this, like, kind of falls on Poirot's shoulders. It's right. his fault. Right. So that, now that's another problem. So now we're knocking him down, and now yeah. uh, Salome and no, no, Rosalie. Yeah, Rosalie and the mom both hate Poirot. Right, because now he's the reason right. there's no book in their lives. I know, which then destroys the Poirot love arc because Miss uh, <laughs> Otterborn hates Poirot because he's bad at solving crimes, but he can't be bad at solving crimes because he's Hercule Poirot, <laughs> the world famous detective. And that's why I'm wearing a Batman shirt, because he's the detective. <laughs> that's why I wore the Batman shirt. Ah, uh-huh. very good, very yep, good. yep, speaking of Ross. Uh, I, that scene does so much tumbling and turning and, yeah. and, and, and for nothing. For nothing. There is no reason for any of it. It is drama for the sake of just having it. And, and you're right, it it takes Poirot down a peg because... He's failed his friend. Yeah. This is twice in this film. He failed his colonel. He's failed his friend. Hey, Pearl, this is starting to be a, be a trend, man. You want to start solving this case? And you've added a murder. So, like, yeah. like five people got to die before you <laughs> you start catching up, dude. It's it's crazy. Like, the number of deaths that happened on his watch. Yeah. But Boop being the biggest one. Like, right. you couldn't protect your own for lack of better words, family, then what good are you? Yeah. No, it's, it, it's, you really can't get over like just how bizarre that interrogation was. And it's such a weird choice too, to, I'm going to assume Poirot knew at that point that Simon was the killer. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to like have him there at the interrogation too. Right. Of your friend. Right. Why can't you just be with your friend and be like, look, we need to talk because I know things. Right. Okay? right. I, no, but we're going to have this overly dramatic, like I said, drama for drama's sake about Book and like, Witnessing a murder, knowing about a murder, right. stealing, lying. Right. It's like, it's so weird. Yeah, and like, I almost thought, which would have been stupid too, but I almost thought that like, 
maybe they're still going to use this like fake jewelry angle that you kind of have in the original and or at least in the source material and no he no. actually stole the necklace yeah. he actually saw the dead chick he, he had uh, he got blood he had somebody's <laughs> blood all over him and he threw his jacket over i noticed you did not have your jacket <laughs> yeah yeah it's like just his jacket had to be thrown overboard okay that's yeah it. he got a lot of blood splashing it was like sin city fucking <laughs> <laughs> like, kill bill you yeah me? it was crazy um yeah what was that yeah I don't know. That was so strange. It was a choice, and I, I, you know I, what's, I don't agree with it. You know what's great? Because of the way they frame Book in this film, we've talked about the Book murder, and we haven't talked about mm. <laughs> the main murder. Yeah, I'm, I'm pissed about the Book murder. I'm more pissed than the main murder. I know. Murder. That's the thing about like the love triangle in the original, like you were saying. It's, it's interesting, I guess. Mm -hmm. But like... <laughs> Uh, we're in the the Bronx extended universe here, so um, Book and Poirot are far more substantial of a story to me. Yeah, off a of pure time investment, right? Than Gal Gadot and some fuck dance couple. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. It is weird. I never and, thought about it like that. And another just negative thing <laughs> about that, uh, because we know <laughs> because we know Poirot and Book from the previous sure. Film. So obviously. It can't be Book is a murderer. Right. And you're going to assume that it's both of their part. love interests <laughs> right. are also not the murderer. Mm -hmm. So, like, underplays, Which, like, their would be suspicion. Kind of cool it would be a good twist. But especially uh, Miss Audubon. That would have been cool. Yeah. It doesn't work, but... It doesn't work. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's definitely not, like, the source material, but, like, it's just... It just feels like they're not going to go there. Right. So we're, we are just checking names off the list. Like, okay, you're innocent, you're innocent, yep. too, at the same time. Before yep. we have wrapped up the investigation right. so that's just another pet peeve i had with the uh, love interest arcs yeah and and the other side of it too is as you know you can check those off you also have checked off several other names because they've died <laughs> so like this list is there's only so many plausible people and mm -hmm. um i remember uh, me and pre went to see the movie at uh menlo park and pre had said that you know i like the film but um i felt it was a little predictable and i didn't feel that at all when i was reading the book yeah um i didn't you know by the time i saw the original i mean at this point i had <laughs> to be asleep to not make assumptions but you know i could see that like if you're watching this film because of the way you can start checking names off the list right. um i can see how you would be clued off to how this mystery plays out even if uh, you've never read the book. So yeah, I didn't get to watch the movie from that lens, but talking to someone who did, right. that's yeah. interesting. But, no. And, you know, again, another thing with the love story. Sure. We, we're focusing on the love story. It has mm -hmm. nothing to do with the investigation at all until that final. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> until Book gets interrogated. So a lot of times just spent on, like, Love story, mm -hmm. and we're not trying to solve the murder. Right. You know what we should be doing in this murder mystery, Reggie? Trying to solve the murder! Yeah. Uh, I've heard different complaints from reviews that uh, it takes too long to get into it. I'm kind of okay with um, a movie building, but you're right. We're spending a lot of time with the love that I don't think we get into a murder until about halfway through the film. And maybe even later. And at that point, there's so much happening because you've got two other love interests now that you've got to account for. You've got um, 
you've got to build out these characters who aren't where they're supposed to be and kind of make that arc work too. So it, yeah, <laughs> there is not a lot of time to spend with this murder in the mystery itself uh, without distractions of other murder love mysteries too. <laughs> There's like two of them <laughs> in the same film. How'd you do that? <laughs> Yeah, so there's a there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. we, focus on we focus on love stories a lot in yeah. uh, the remake. So maybe we should go into other characters. Yeah, because let, there that. are other characters in these films. There are. <laughs> um, just to jump back in, uh, two other characters, kind of fun. In the original film, uh, Betty Davis plays Marie Van Schleyler. Betty Davis. Perfectly foul French upstart. And in the remake, Jennifer Saunders plays Marie Van Schleyler. Uh, I love that girl. Yeah, so in the original, it's uh, Miss Van Schleyler, who's like an elderly socialite, and she's like kleptomaniac, so like she needs someone to kind of look out for her. So just kind of moving along with other characters as well. Maggie Smith in the original plays Mrs. Bowers. Maggie Smith. But why should I kill Mrs. And in the remake, Dawn French plays Mrs. Bowers. Just me on murder. Uh, Mrs. Bowers blames Lynette for ruining her father, which is basically the same thing in the remake. Bowers was wealthy and then got evicted or something because Lynette's father did stuff during the Great Depression. And then two other characters, just to like start rabbit oh, yeah. up. Sure. <laughs> uh, in the original film, we have George Kennedy, who plays Andrew Pennington. George Kennedy. George Kennedy. You can't pin that on me. Fun, fun girl. And Ali Faisal, who plays Andrew Kachadorian. There are so many conflicting... Who basically plays a Pennington-type character in the remake. Both of those characters are basically Lynette's lawyer, trustee-type character who happens to be embezzling money. Right. And they're trying to just get Lynette to sign this thing so mm -hmm. they can cover their ass and uh, get, get paid. Yeah. And I guess the last... Kind of two characters that are in tandem that we could talk about. We've got Jack Warden in the original film who plays Dr. Bessner, who's like a Swiss psychiatrist. Um, kind of like plays it real straight in the film. Me, Jack Warden. So now you think that I... And then we have Russell Brand, who, this is just such an interesting choice, who's Linus Windlesham. Simon Doyle! Who, in this film, is a doctor... So he's like a one-to-one -one Dr. Besner. But based off the source material, Wendelshelm is not a doctor, but he's Lynette's first fiance, mm -hmm. who she kind of just gets rid of for Simon Doyle. Right. And when they said that Russell Brand was going to play this character, I thought they were going to kind of comedically use him to be like, mm -hmm. maybe like fawning over her or like taking it really badly that that she dumped him, but they make him like almost like a non-interested partner mm -hmm. who's just a doctor now. Yeah. And by the source material, she didn't even be on the ship, but like, okay, you took the former fiance, made him basically like a statue mm -hmm. whose only job is to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. And maybe he's responsible for a death. Because mm. he's a former fiance, but like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it does. 
It doesn't like it doesn't make sense. Like, why would you take Russell Brand and have him just play it straight? Like, I thought he did it fine, but like he was fine. Yes. What? Why would you make him the former fiance? Put him on the boat when he wasn't on the boat in the book, which means you could kind of play around with this character. Right. You got to give him like almost like a Jackie type of thing. You could, on, right? But they don't. It's so underplayed the fact that he's it's... the ex fiance. Like I didn't even you know. You, yeah, Blake and you miss. Yeah, honestly, like I, I barely knew. I only found out because like I reread. The Wikipedia synopsis. I was like, "Oh, he's the fiance." Yeah. I didn't realize that. I I like missed that, um, and I knew that was made sense because that the last name, like in the book, Wendell Shum is trying to get her to marry him. Uh, she's like, "No," and she wants to live in Wode Hall, which is like the estate that she made, which is in both films, which is kind of cool. But like, I love that the original movie was like, "We're not gonna add that part." <laughs> We're not even going to have Windlesham. We're just going to get right to what everyone cares about. And having Russell Brand here playing someone so close to Lynette and so uninterested. Yeah, and like barely share screen time with her. Letitia Wright is more upset at Lynette than <laughs> her former fiance who got invited to the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> That like there's so much room to do something with that, and they just it just hangs there, doing nothing. Yeah, I mean I'll just add this now. The mm-hmm. original film is a little bit longer. Yeah, maybe like about twenty minutes. So well, there's a good possibility some of his more interesting stuff. There's some of, a lot of the characters maybe <laughs> more interesting stuff got cut. Uh, we'll never know. But what we saw, it he was such a non-factor not, in that remake. Not even even. Even when they accuse him of murder, it's like... Because it's his scalpel, right? They barely... Like, yeah. it's so not believable. Yeah. Like, the original film handles that scene so much better. It's like, you dare accuse me <laughs> of, of this? And it's like, I'll sue you for libel. <laughs> like, another character who's not doing much. Like, the doctor has some funny lines in the original film. But that moment when he's accused, he gets to, like... Mm-hmm. Overact like everybody else. Hey, hey, hey. Russell Brand is playing it so straight. I, I'm mad. <laughs> it's like okay, I'm I'm impressed that you can act. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I get that you want to be an actor. We've seen your films. <laughs> yeah, we didn't like you in Arthur. <laughs> we, we did not. Um, like I didn't like him here either because I would I was ready for some. Maybe he was keeping straight. But underneath, he was seething, you know? But like, but we never saw that. We never there. saw the underneath it's seething. You know, if you show us like a little peek of it, then I'll get it. That while you're keeping this right. kind of straight demeanor. But I need something. You just yeah. seem like an okay dude. Like, ah, oh, I'm just here. Okay. And, and, you know, that's purely... That's, that's either an editing, a writing, or something. There's a problem here. Because I would not be saying this if his name was like Dr. Besner. I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, Russell Brown was kind of good. Mm-hmm. That's all I would say. But you made him Windlesham. Right. You gave him a lot to play with, and he does play, he plays with nothing. <laughs> Less, I mean, he's doing nothing. And it to the point where like the Pennington character is more interesting, even though he's uh he's not Pennington in um in the remake. Yeah. What do you think about George Kenny? I kinda liked his 
I'm, I'm a huge Naked Gun fan. Yeah, so okay. Obviously, George Kennedy and anything, or like I was like, oh, it's him and Kool Aid Luke, or just seeing him here. And yeah. he, again, he does the thing like, how dare you? Right? Yeah. I wasn't doing anything. I didn't steal. If I was gonna shoot her, I would have used this. (laughs) This is a gun. (laughs) It's like everybody knew why I kept that gun. I I didn't take that gun. That's pretty good, George Kennedy. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Uh, Man, that that was fun. But um, I I thought Ali Faisal was fine as a Cachadorian, but I was confused why he was Cachadorian. You know, like who is that? It's like family, friend, and trustee. So, like, you've kept the same character, but you've changed the backstory. I mean, he could have been Pennington. Yeah. I agree. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people have last names. Um, I don't know. I just... I felt like taking Pennington sort of out and sw- switching it, it's just more of a distraction, right? Like, it just felt like a distraction... Russell Brand's Wendelsham felt like a distraction, you know. Um, I think at one point in the film, speaking of love interest, there's another love interest that Poirot kind of uh, discovers by the end of the film. Let me, I have it here. In the remake, Dawn French's Mrs. Bowers is Van Schleyer's uh, nurse and lover. Right. Like, so there's another thing, and it's like, yeah, like, like kind of a closeted love, I guess you could say, because yeah. of the times. Yeah, and like maybe that's uh, an interpretation of source material, because like I didn't, that didn't jump out at, at me in the the reading of it. In the reading of yeah. it, maybe that's in the subtext and why they pulled it out, or maybe they just. It might have been because you know, like I said, I watched the original first, and then mm-hmm. like I was like, oh, you are lovers, and you cannot tell anybody of your love. And then watching the remake, watch Maggie Smith, mm-hmm. like, dressed up in suits all the time. Right. Like, I was kind of waiting for them to kind of come out. Right. They were in a relationship. It never does happen. But I can kind of see, yeah. Right. Like, oh, yeah, it's, it's there, so we'll just say that that's what it is. Yeah. I think um, I can appreciate a film kind of taking an audience and saying, like, this is what was in that, in that text that wasn't Right. You know, it wasn't outright set. Right, right. Which is kind of a cool pull, but another love interest. No, that's just another one. And actually, we got one last love interest. Uh, in the original film, Jane Birkin played Louise Bourget. Uh, uh, and in the remake, it's Rose Leslie who plays Louise, who's Lynette's personal maid. I don't feel safe with any of them. Right. Denied the love love yes. from uh, Lynette. Yes. Uh, if you want to go source material... There's a maid who uh, was fired because um, her Egyptian boyfriend basically was trying to marry her, but he was still technically married. Right. Um, that guy was on the boat in the book, but he's not in either of these films. But I just thought it was interesting. And they just switched him out with the maid, which I think was smart in both films. Mm-hmm. Um, and fun, fun character, especially in the remake, I thought uh, the way she's just like wearing the pearls with the foreshadowing at the beginning, stuff like that was cool and I thought Louise Bourget was able to like subtly like have some fun scenes when she was interacting with people so I feel like Louise uh sorry I thought in the original uh Jane Birkin I thought she got maybe a little more screen time because like yeah. I felt more of that like come on <laughs> yeah. I wanted to marry this dude like okay now uh he's 
it's it's okay. Like he's yeah. leaving her. And it's like, well, no, you still can't. I'm the, the The motivation was definitely more apparent for Jane Burke in, in the original. Yeah. yeah, for sure, absolutely. And actually, again, helping that uh, the Lynette in the original, helping Louise Childs like really come across as unlikable. Yeah. Like the the scene um, after she denied the dowry. Poor Rose kind of off to the side is like, one who can make enemies uh, <laughs> of uh, what I forget the exact line, but you know, it's really on the nose. And it's like, here's Lynette making another enemy mm-hmm. in a scene versus like the remake. As people were like, we don't like you, Galvado. She's as shocked as I am. She's like, me? Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't like me? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Louise Childs felt like we said before, but she felt like the person who people would want to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Much more so than Gal, but uh, that's most. Of, I think that's most of your players here. Yeah, in the film. So now that we've kind of talked about basically everyone on the ship and like some potential motivation, like we mentioned, around the halfway mark of both films, uh, Lynette Ridgway is killed, mm-hmm. and that's when the movies really start to kind of open up and explore some of these yeah. relationships. I would. I would say that I think a consistent theme of the original film is that the accusation period is when each of these actors gets to just go mm-hmm. crazy monologue mm-hmm. over the top. Yeah. <laughs> like, Angela Lansbury is one of the most fun people <laughs> in the film, for sure. And I, I try to think of who I latched onto in a remake like that, and I, I'm... I think I'm at, at a loss as to who jumped out at me. Yeah. I think, in general, I think the original film does a better job just of raising suspicion mm-hmm. for everybody. Yes. That everybody can be a suspect. Right. And like I said before, with this remake, because we have so much focus on the love story, not everybody gets a lot of screen time because of that. Not everybody feels as equal of, of equal importance to be a suspect. Right, right. I think that in the remake, what happens a lot is backstory is explained as someone's being accused. Mm-hmm. And in the original, there's a lot more foreshadowing, which is probably longer runtime, but you could see scenes where someone's like, I, I wish someone would just get rid of you. you yeah, know? There's a lot more of that. I'm surprised nobody just put a bullet in her head already. Right. There's a lot of like, <laughs> so, there's a lot of loose lips and Poirot's open ears here. Mm-hmm. Everybody say this shit about Lynette. And so yeah, it just like I said, it just raises the suspicion yeah. level of everybody. Okay, okay, yeah, that guy just said he wanted to go, or that person said he wanted to go, and so did that person. Really don't get that in the remake. Right. I get it. It's very on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kill her. I might be the killer. So I get why you don't do that. But I don't know, I just feel like if you don't do that, you gotta do something. Right. Because I'm not feeling like I'm I'm like I need to figure out who did it. Like it's it's obviously one of these main people that we're yeah. focusing on instead of these, all these side characters. And I'm I'm really not suspicious of anyone, really. I'm just yeah. kind of like, all right, where where are they going? Where are we going? Exactly. We have so many different arcs going on here. Where are we going? What is what is the focus? Because it ain't the murder for a right. while. It it feels like um in a lot of ways, and you want it to because of the way it's filmed, you it kind of feels like it's on rails, right? Like you're on the roller coaster, you're gonna take the ride. Here's the up, here's the down. Don't you don't have to look here or there. Like this is what we're doing the whole time. 
that other film had these like branching arcs of why I oughta. <laughs> and then um, even as people were like clear to crimes, they're like, I still would have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad somebody did. You know, uh, it, you could reasonably think that someone did it. And like in the remake, I, I never felt like I was actually sitting there like, Right. Who did this? Who did this? Yeah, it, it's it's more of an action film than a mystery. Yeah, in some ways, you know, it's like like you mentioned the character study, and not really a mystery study. <laughs> no, no, we're not we're not actively solving this mystery. And you know, when you stop trying to solve the mystery, right. it's like it gets off those rails right. that I was expect expected to be on. True. Just going back to the original, like how you make everyone a suspect. I'll just. This is something really simple the original did. After that stone was kind of thrown mm -hmm. at um, Simon and Lynette, it, it's a little cheesy, but it's a great job of what the original film did. It just, everybody got like their single like moment of walking creepily into yeah. frame yeah. and making you think like, oh, it's definitely that person. No, look at that person. No, it's definitely that person. Right. It just panned on everybody and gave them their like 15 seconds of right. like, this could be a suspect. This could be a suspect. Right. I know it's a little cheesy and outdated to do, but goddamn it worked. It worked, man. Yeah. You know, I think that that movie got to sit back and and do that. And unfortunately for this remake, part of the reason I wanted to see the film too, and I don't think they really delivered in this uh, respect, I was really interested in what they were going to do with this set and the design and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is going to be and glamorous and crazy. Dude, fucking Egypt, right? Because <laughs> yeah. Murder on Express was like a slick, cool-looking movie. I'm like, mm -hmm. these guys are going to like mm -hmm. up the ante. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the sequel. Mm -hmm. And I never felt like it It felt flat. Right. And like I said, we look at the pyramid. Oh, it's CG. I can see the yeah. screen. <laughs> I mean, the closest thing, and they should have done more cheesy shit like this, when, for whatever reason, Gal Gadot's in that Cleopatra thing she's like in this like structure that makes it look like she's like seven feet tall and she just gets out of it and like it's just gal and <laughs> I, it it doesn't serve a purpose it doesn't further the plot but it's a spectacle and i kind of wanted to see more spectacle from this film mm -hmm. and I, I felt like a lot of tight corridors trying to like zoom in on people and have like these one-on-one -on -one conversations like it's law and order and, and I, I wanted like a almost like a great Gatsby you know Boz Lerman type like big set pieces and like kind of let the mystery play out and I felt like it felt more claustrophobic than I was expecting <laughs> and um because like we mentioned before Poirot is flawed in this film because he doesn't solve Boots murder he's not in control of anything at this point or at least not that we know yeah uh, at least um, Ustinov in the original film, like, he's asking questions and he's like, did you see that race? Like, that guy's trying to steal that money. Like, a lot of these reveals are happening, giving more reason why these people are doing right. the crimes. Mm -hmm. And th that's not... No. Like, this movie is trying to keep it so mysterious that you don't know what you're supposed to be right. skeptical of. You're, you're exactly sure what you're supposed to be observing or like... <laughs> Am I supposed to be reading for this, or am I just what's happening right, exactly? Right, and like even um, going back to Jackie, uh, Emma Mackey's character, she's played so empathetically. Like you, yeah, you feel for her. You're not upset 
that she's upset. Like me and Pharaoh going one, two, three, four. Like that's crazy. <laughs> like, like, like you're like that person I, needs some, some help. But like this, this Jackie is like what any of us would do. Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> you believe it? Fuck them. And like she's like playing it cool. Yeah, she's got a gun, but for the most part, she's kind of calm and collected. Mm-hmm. And Poirot, because he's being humanized and being empathetic about the film, is like. I see you, young little bird. I understand you. <laughs> I once had a love. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're feeling for these two characters. I'm like, do you really give a shit if Army Hammer gets shot? <laughs> I, I don't. Like, I don't really give a shit. Like, when Simon Doyle, uh, Simon McCorkinow, <laughs> ah, ah, like, ah. The, the high drama, man. I, I just never felt this movie just like went there and I don't know why yeah you know Orient Express went there yeah <laughs> it did it went there and what or- Murder on the Orient Express just like on an emotional level yeah. went there too yeah like, I certainly I mean granted I didn't feel it with uh, either uh, Death on the Nile films but right like but Kenneth Brownow you kind of I kind of expected like let, let, he did it in the first film right we'll go there the second film right didn't quite go there yeah I just I just felt like the the way Murder on Orient Express is shot, I think it's, it is an easier story to tell, right. I think. Um, but those motivations come across really easily. You're immediately suspicious of everyone. You're just not suspicious of people in this film. Like, okay, the murder happened. I assume her girl's going to figure it out. I don't know what's going on, but we'll get there. And like, Orient Express felt like, what? the hell is happening? It felt like I, you want to solve this mystery because like it's it's troubling to you. But I think maybe it's either how little time we spent with Gal Doe, how little time we spent with Army Hammer. Uh, okay. When we solve it, I guess we'll solve it. I, I wasn't too worried about where it was going. and I, I felt like the original somehow pulled that off a little bit better. Yeah. Even with there's a lot of scenery being chewed. Yeah, but, it, you know, it's, it's fun. <laughs> it also has the cast to do that. You know, right. like Betty Davis, Angela Lansbury, George Kennedy, like, you, you have the cast of, like, what, are you going to tell Betty Davis to um, wrap it up? <laughs> you know, like, it's... It, I don't know. I, I felt like it, it really worked. Um, yeah, and even... Even the legibility with the murders and stuff like that, like, it's cheesy but like there were some scenes in a remake where i was trying to like really read what was happening with the camera and stuff like that mm-hmm. and i don't know because they try to do this sort of action-esque stuff like you had in orient express when like they're chasing that one guy who's like right. he becomes a ninja somehow <laughs> <laughs> uh they they can't show you anything in this film so like there's action without Visuals, right, yeah, <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to follow. Sometimes. Yeah. Also, that's another thing that the remake doesn't really do. The original, like uh, when Hercule Poirot is accusing everybody, mm-hmm. uh, again, it's a little cheesy and outdated. Sure. But you see the whole scene play out. Right. You committed the murder because this it's, is what happened exactly, and like, then you're you're following his narration, and but you're actually seeing it happen. Like that like, person's really. It's like Clue. Yeah. It's like, look, dude, that's exactly what I got the vibe yeah. from. It's yeah. exactly like the 
movie clue. Uh, <laughs> like, that's how it could have happened, but here's what happened. Also, it could have happened. Yeah. So, yeah, you do get these fun little scenarios where it's like, again, what's race suspicion for everybody? Everybody is a suspect. This is why. Because this is Hercule Poirot, the world's mm -hmm. greatest detective, explaining to you why this person can be the yes. murderer. And now they're doing it for this person. And you're seeing it. You're hearing him say it. Really reinforces that everybody is a suspect. And, and you know, I think they did that in Brana's Orient Express. I think there were scenes where they, like, play out those scenarios. And that doesn't happen here. Um, it's just such an effective tool because I see you. Right. Doing it. I don't even have to imagine it. I no. see you doing it. So whether you did it or visual not. Visual medium. Right. It is a visual <laughs> medium. Um, yeah. Is it cheesy? No, but like it can be done well. Like we mentioned Clue, which is a fun, good film with like four fucking endings. But like, uh, <laughs> Actually, when that came out, it was a like different ending. Every yeah, every theater. theater, yeah. Yeah, so cool. You can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. People would be pissed. Oh, yeah, they would be. <laughs> Three endings of Ghostbusters, <laughs> but um, I, I just love, I love that I saw Angela yeah. Lansbury. Yeah, it's great, right? Because it's like I don't know if I could buy the drunk doing it, just because he says it. But when you see it, right? Wow, what right. a difference! Right. It makes all the world's difference. Actually, seeing it happen, it's amazing. And you keep getting the the knee shot. Right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> you get I the mean, knee shot from different players. Oh, I love it. I love <laughs> so it. Good. So good. I don't know, and even like when you do those playbacks, and then those characters get murdered, even more so, you're like, "What is going yeah. on?" I, I just i I think they were trying to be too mysterious yeah. in the remake, and it actually hurt the mystery. It's like I didn't buy anybody. Yeah, like anybody. <laughs> you can't. Everyone can't be innocent, right. and I have to at least believe someone did it. Like, well, see, well, here, take it from our perspective. Mm -hmm. We've read the books, right? Mm -hmm. So we knew how the murder was going to happen. Sure. Even if they were going to play against expectations, like, well, we're actually going to do something different. Like, sure. they, they could have done that. Where like the reader would be like, when Book when Book was accused, I was like, they're not going to make him the murderer, are right. they? Right. So that was a great way of making him seem like he could have been the murderer. Right. Murderer. But it's like, we only did it for one character, and it's the only character that I'm like, really like, right. because right. Cause he was in the first film. Like, if we had done more of that, where he's just like, flat out accusing them like that, but it just never happened. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you're making a good point. And the remake had the benefit of moving things around. Like, if you're going to switch characters up or consolidate, it does give you some more freedom to play with the story. And I thought they would do that. Like you mentioned, when the boot stuff started happening, I was like, okay, there could be some difference. Here. Yeah, maybe he was involved somehow. We don't know. And right. they're just they're putting their own twist on it, which, you know, if you do it well, I'd go for that ride. Right. But, you know, they never asked you to go for that ride. No. And it is what it is. Um, so I guess kind of like getting into the film. Is there anything else that you want to talk about from like an action perspective because I guess we can kind of start wrapping up the mystery mm -hmm. and I guess moving along the story as it were because we have all of our players I I'm trying to, trying to think of anything nothing's really coming up or nothing yeah. really stands out that like one film did that the other didn't do I, like I forgot about the kind of the story like the accusations like right. I forgot about that so I was, I'm glad we talked about that oh yeah yeah I guess one of the only other differences uh 
I guess technically you could talk about another character in the original films. Uh, John Finch plays James Ferguson, who's an outspoken communist and who resented Lynette's wealth, who has a lot of scenes like we were talking about, which is like, yeah. Yeah. people like that shouldn't be... Just, deserves a bullet. Yeah. Like he <laughs> should be wiped out, you know? <laughs> like, that character is in um, the books. Um, kind of superfluous, so I understand the remake removing him and kind of like consolidating and stuff. But uh, again, another plausible actor. And I think because this remake has consolidated, there's less plausible actors and that's ultimately a problem. So mm -hmm. I think that's the definition of what we were just discussing is that it's not all of you no, <laughs> and there's not. not many of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess the sort of the genius of Agatha Christie's story here is that she basically takes the two most obvious players off the field. Right. Immediately. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it forces you, even though your brain is saying, it's these two. <laughs> it's gotta be, right? <laughs> uh, Agatha Christie like distracts you away to all these like side and kind of interesting characters. Yeah. And it's really effective, and it's really effective in the original film. Yes. When they do it. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so in both films, uh, Jackie and Simon get into an argument at dinner, and Jackie presumably shoots Simon in the knee. Uh, because ah! Oh! Ah! Oh! Ah! I'll kill you first! Jackie! So, because Simon is shot in the knee and is being assisted by the doctor and another uh, character in the film, the entire time Jackie is being watched by Mrs. Bowers and I believe the, um, and sometimes uh, I think the maid, doesn't really matter. But both of these characters have an alibi. Right. Which leads us to chase down all these other people, mm -hmm. including Wyndham Shum, who shouldn't right. be there. <laughs> um, Plus, don't forget the J oh, yes. of Lynette's. Head and blood. Which is preposterous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right next. So, yeah, after Simon gets shot, that's right, uh, is discovered that Lynette Ridgway was killed and no one knows who did it. And there's a J, like in the, like Jackie, above her head in blood. Like she wrote it in her own blood after she got shot in the head. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was Jackie. Well, it's obviously so preposterous that it was to draw attention away from mm -hmm. the fact it couldn't possibly be Jackie, right? Because this, this is impossible for somebody to write something after right. being shot in the head. So obviously, the murderer tried to frame Jackie. So it immediately is supposed to clear her, mm -hmm. right? So <laughs> I think that it's again. I think that that's effective when you have all the, all these actors who you're expecting right i just it was hard to go there in this remake yeah know? i think you nailed it like um we know it's these two people but the original does a great job of throwing throwing suspicion to everybody else mm -hmm. remake we know it's these two people don't really do a great job of throwing suspicion <laughs> yeah. to everybody else <laughs> right right and i think even scenes like when the when the uh, maid comes in and she's like well if I did see it like, yeah, yeah. I think this remake if you were going down that pathway 
I think you're picking up on that language more so than you may have in the book. Because, you know, I, I don't know. There's just some, the way they heard Army Hammer interact in that scene, like it did seem like Army Hammer was like actually encouraging or kind of helping this character out. And again, I read the book, so maybe again, that's biased, but like that didn't feel like the misdirection that it felt like in the other films either. So after the maid <laughs> basically blackmails Simon Doyle in front of Colonel Race or, or Book and, oh <laughs> or Poirot, you know, um, after that happens, the maid gets murdered. It was in the original. It was uh, the Angela Lansbury character, wasn't it? Because she gets the, killed. Someone, well, both of them get killed because they're the maid is holding the. Uh, well, the maid gets killed, but she. I think in the original film, Angela Lansbury is the witness to that murder, and then the remake, Book, was the witness to that murder. Okay. Yeah. So as, as the maid gets murdered for basically like bribing. Trying to extortion. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like it because the X. Mm-hmm. That's Bender from Futurama. <laughs> Blackmail or extortion. <laughs> I like it because of the X. It's a terrible nice, John nice DiMaggio. Joke. Yeah, nice DiMaggio. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. And yeah, you're right. From there, that's when the that's when the movies branch out because who witnesses the maid's murder? Yeah. Angela Lansbury. Mm-hmm. Who we get another fun slur drunk uh, line? I know who did it. <laughs> the uh, I wrote down the book that she Lynette Doyle was suing Angela Lansbury. <laughs> she was writing a rom- She wrote a romance novel called Passion Under the Persimmon Trees. Under the what? Like uh, persimmon trees. Passion Under the Persimmon Trees was the book that Lynette Ridgway was suing. Uh, Angela Lansbury's character for libel in in the film. Okay, so that's an Easter egg for the real nerds. <laughs> but um, yeah. See, having it be the drunk works. Yeah, the drunk tells long stories. <laughs> uh, is collateral damage, you know? And actually, in the film in the book, frees another character. Like another character's been watching this woman for years right yeah. trying to hide the secret that she's drunk not living her own life mm-hmm. so this is um is it messed up for people to die sure but this is kind of an expendable character yeah that gives us the benefit of letting someone else have yeah. a, a story she's able to move on with her life and she's actually able to find love so there is a love story in that original uh, well, there you go <laughs> there's one nice. love arc. well played sir <laughs> you can find more <laughs> that's the mystery like when it's Book, like we mentioned, this character so that we loved, <laughs> not so good. Not so no. good. So. You can make a loved character expendable. Just don't shit on them mm-hmm. twenty minutes leading up to their death. Or like he's mentioned, give him the chance to redeem himself. Yeah. Like, or maybe Poirot makes an assumption, and Book's like, "Nah, you got it wrong." Yeah, you know, and it's like actually I stole the necklace because it was going to save. Uh, puffy orphanage, you know, like you gotta make this guy fun, dude. Because Poirot does have that arc, and it easily could have been he was wrong, mm-hmm. and that's why he because he's been wrong, him. yeah. And I, I think that there was space for it to go that way, and maybe the story was about trusting right. people, yeah, absolutely, trusting a romantic partner, trusting. Yourself to move on, trusting your friend. 
or accusing them of <laughs> watching them get murdered and then kind of solve the mystery and let two other people get murdered. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You're right. <laughs> I don't know about you, Dan. I uh, I believe in the heart of the cards. I believe in uh, the power of friendship, all the, the Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! anime tropes. I We didn't trust the power of friendship. It got our friend killed. And now we're like, that's it. Like in the remake, that's where they drew a hard line. They're like, you killed Book, everyone in. Everybody's in trouble. Go in that room right now because I'm going to tell you who the murderer is. Yep. I figured it out because that was the last guy I expected. <laughs> which leads the only people in, um, you know, cool. Like the movie is starting to get to like its sort of climactic end. Mm hmm. At the expense of Book, and it's it's just I don't know, man. Like, where, where do you go from there? It's just kind of a it's kind of a downer. It's very much a downer. <laughs> it's not yeah. kind of. It is a downer. No, it, it's rough. And like I already talked about it ad nauseum, but like, yeah, I didn't agree with it, and yeah. it should have just been another side character. I just or don't shit on him. <laughs> I know, I know. So once in the remake, once they uh, they kill Book. Everyone's in the dining hall. Perot gives one of his Haku Paul speeches. I, it is I, Haku. I know these things. And he's like, it was Simon. <laughs> and it was Jackie. Yay. Yep. Simon didn't get shot in the leg. It was a blank. It was blank. A real bullet or whatever went into a piece of wood next to him. Doesn't matter. Well, in the remake, it is a blank. The remake's a blank. Oh, yeah. In the original, she missed it. In the original, which yeah. is a kind of source material. But I, I do agree with that update and it's a little bit smarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't trust your aim. You better put a blank in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Simon Duel wasn't shot, which while everyone was panicking because they thought he was shot and trying to get help, gave him enough time to run downstairs, shoot Jackie in the head, run back. No, Lynette. Thank you. <laughs> gave him enough time to run downstairs, shoot Lynette in the head, get back uh, where he was, shoot himself in the leg. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> oh! And then, um, and then ultimately, you know, that gave him his alibi for killing. Lin excuse me. Yeah, yeah. That gave him his alibi for killing Lynette. It gave Jackie. It gave Jack. No, Jackie has an alibi because, because she, after she shot Simon the first time, she was always someone who was always with her. Mm -hmm. So, was, and we saw Lynette. Or I'm sorry, Jackie was in that bar area. I guess let's say right. Um, since uh, Lynette went to bed, so there was she was never by herself. Yep. She was completely yep. covered from that. And you know, in <clears throat> in this film, actually, I will say this is where Emma McKay's portrayal comes back into play because uh, she's the brains of this plan. Yeah, and that tracks. Yeah, I was like, okay, let me, yeah, yeah. Of course, it couldn't be Army Hammer. It yeah. has to be her. Army Hammer is just a beautiful idiot. That's, uh, <laughs> that's uh, what he's basically supposed to be. And yeah, Emma McKay, the way that uh, she gives up the game, she's like, figured out poor Row, the way that she is the brains, and, and the way that she shoots them yeah. at the end is pretty well done, actually. Yeah. I think that's one of the stronger points of the movie, how it... Mm -hmm. Kind of wraps up. Um, they shoots through them both with a twenty-two. Yeah, she he like embraces her and then she like shoots him through the back and also bullet goes through her. 
pretty nice, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's not quite dancing. But it's, it's, you know what I also like about it? Because they had mentioned uh, Mark Andy and Cleopatra a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, as, as all romantic tragedies end, they also ended with a murder-suicide. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that, that was definitely one of the stronger Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In the film. And it got a lot of payoff for who I think Emma... Uh, McKay or Mackie, she was yeah, she was she was great, really really good, so solid in that role, like really good in the movie. And I will say, Ar like I mentioned, Army, I felt like uh, didn't blow his socks off, but I felt like he was a good utility yeah. player. Um, and you know, it was good. We start we start to now do repair work for Hercule Poirot in this scene, and we shouldn't have to do repair work because like he's supposed to be amazing, and I don't know, they they really brought him down to earth a bit, I think, to try to build him back up as a more empathetic Poirot, which could be effective. Um, but I think, like you mentioned, I think that love story takes a lot away from the main point of the film. But Because that's not the end of the remake. It's not. It's not. It keeps going. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Uh, Hercule Poirot goes to a jazz club, and he has shaved his mustache. So you see the uh, the scars from when he got kind of blown up. Want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> <laughs> there I was, leading my troop in World War I. So we see that he's ready to move on from his fiance. It's been decades at this point, but he's ready. Um, he's watching Mrs. Autoborn sing at a, like a rehearsal. Uh, he's at the table, and... It's actually a really nice scene because yeah. the scene right before that, Mr. Otterborn was like, yo, man, you messed up. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're broken, bro. Like, this ain't going to work. And I guess it gives us this feeling that perhaps it can work out. Yeah. Perhaps Hercule Poirot can find love. So Maybe he can move on from that, you know, his past love. From Kathleen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I like that Hercule Poirot is fleshed out. Yeah. I kind of think it's an ending where I can get behind this sort of Poirot in love. Yeah. But I think I think things suffered to get there. No, no, it, it's exactly it. I do like, I actually, I do like the ending because um, it shows character growth yeah. as a development. He's, yeah. he's willing to move on. He's getting rid of that mustache, that <laughs> signature mustache, and uh, he's looking for love. And it's like the way it ends too, like he doesn't, interact with her right he just sits in the crowd and he's just kind of patiently yeah. just watching her and you know it's, it's very subtle very underplayed and i like it <laughs> that's what they did idea. but again it did take away from the murder mystery right right because after he solves the murder mystery we then kind of get this sort of send-off with everybody like they're literally they're coming <laughs> off the boat it's like well i guess you two fix your life and now you're good. Oh, you hate you guys hate me. You're good. Book. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm sorry about book. You won't forgive me because I didn't solve it. No. Yeah, like this movie insists on wrapping up these sort of motivations for everyone in a way that I think is kind of unnecessary, right? Like I think the original just Whoa, that's what happened. And you know, they're done. Hey. They're done. I think, I think that, like I said, the original just has the benefit of playing their ensemble cast to the source material. Mm -hmm. And most people that are trying to watch Death in the Nile are 
likely doing it because of the source material and now they're seeing that played out mm -hmm. sort of close to as written. The remake takes its own interpretation and really is a device to flesh out Poirot. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if you like that, then cool. If you were more interested in Death Now, you might be a little disappointed. Right. No. <laughs> Couldn't say it better myself. <laughs> Anything else we need to discuss? No, I, I put the musicians in, but I, I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember any of it. I mean, the sexy jazz. <laughs> the sexy jazz, I remember that. I don't know what the song was. I don't know either, but people... I don't think my them. ears were working anymore. I was just... <laughs> it's like when you see Zoe Kravitz come on screen. Where's <laughs> Batman in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> the detective. Um, no, I think that both films, uh, from a set design perspective, I thought... The original, like you said, kind of went hands-on. Yeah, which is, went up the pyramid. That's pretty cool. Which is cool. I, man, you know, the parts that I like about the remake, even with the bad green screen, but like, I, I love the boot with the kite picture. <laughs> like, it's so goofy and out of place, but like, I, I think that this movie, when it's playing in that fun space and like doing the big Cleopatra, whatever that was, like, that stuff was out there and fun. And I think... I wish they did more of that because those were the moments where I mm -hmm. started liking the movie uh, when it comes to the set. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. I mean, the remake, it looks good, but it's not as grand as I thought it would yeah. be. Fair point. Mm -hmm. So, I guess at this point, really, we could just ask, Dan, do you think that this remake should exist? All right. So, I saw the remake first, like I said. I thought it was fine. So, I was like, all right. I should be fine with this verdict. And then, like, I don't remember what I read in the book. Then watching the original, like I said, a lot of cheesy things happened that yeah. original, but they did a really good job of, like, oh, yeah, this is a murder mystery, by right. the way. So you're trying to... You, while enjoying this thing, you should be trying to figure out who, which one of these people is the murderer. Correct. Because at the end of the day, that's what these Agatha Christie books are about, right? Um, so it's cheesy. Um, it's, it's great over-the-top mm -hmm. acting. But I really grew to like that original film. Yeah. Even though it's longer. And I hate when <laughs> these movies are longer. But that original film is longer. But, you know, I think it works uh, to the film's strength because uh, it, I'm able to follow more of the suspects and, you know, right. make it plausible that everybody's a suspect. I did not like Poirot. He's probably the weakest thing in that original yeah. film. And unfortunately, you just have to kind of take it because that's what we got you know albert finney coming back and may maybe just put him back even if he doesn't need all the prosthetics but like he would have been a much better paro easily the weakest link in that first film but this is about the remake and you know it looks great even though it might not have been so grandiose i, I did like some of the exterior mm -hmm. shots of egypt oh yeah thought that was great um i did not like the love stories <laughs> i did not like the love stories at all i definitely didn't like what happened to book I think right. he got he got done dirty pretty bad, and he did not deserve that ending. And we didn't have to follow that whole story about like, oh, this is my mom, and she doesn't like you, but it's okay, we're gonna get married anyway. But no, I'm a thief, and I'm a liar, and, <laughs> and I'm dead, so it doesn't matter. I wasn't the killer anyway. So uh, this is a tough one. Uh, I wasn't sure. I was really on the mm. fence when I came here. Uh, and it was like, I think they might do another movie. So it's like, do I just say I'm good because I do want to see the next one if they do another one but you know after seeing that original and really think about it and discussing it with you 
what they did and how they did it, I don't think this version of the Death on the Nile should exist. Yeah. Because we really just strayed away from that source material way too much. You know, you can have different like emotional beats about love and all that stuff. We did it in the original or right. the one that came out in 2018 or so. And, you know, just talking with you made me realize, yeah, what was I watching the whole right. time, man? It right. definitely didn't feel like a murder mystery. As cheesy as the, the original is, you know, like it has that clue feel, which I dig. <laughs> I dig that stuff, man. Yeah. So uh, it's, it just, just yeah. is on the other side of like yeah. shit existing for me like you know maybe if you, if you can if you talk to me and you really liked it maybe you can convince me to i'll be on the other side of the fence but after discussing this with you right now in this moment i want to say that that version shouldn't exist yeah i think um i think you're right about like the original film the the clue elements i did sort of two pass bys on the film and i think i was a little distracted the first time because i just kind of wanted to get it done but we sort of pushed back our filming and it let me go back and mm -hmm. look at it again. And the character work really jumped out at me the second time. I was more locked in in like Mia Farrell's performance. Um, Simon McCorkendale was a lot of fun for me. Uh, <laughs> Love it. He really looked like, for some reason, I looked at him and I was like, yeah, that's Simon Doyle. No, yeah. It, it's immediately we'd imagine like, okay, she's going to steal that guy from her. Yep. Okay, okay, I can see that. Yep. And... And they did the cheesy newspaper thing again. Hey, you gotta love it. It's, it's good stuff. So instead of like Simon and uh, Jackie, now it's Simon and Lynette. And that was a fun little turn. Yeah, Poro was the weakest part of that film. And it actually made you wish they like let David Niven off the, off the chain a little yeah, bit. Because like, that's true. he... He would have been with Hamlet, even though he doesn't look like Poirot. No, he's way well, too thin. Tell me, thin, but... you tell me he's Poirot. He's Poirot. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go I'll, for it. I'll just be like, oh, I didn't like that he was thin. Like, but he's he's more interesting. Yeah, like Usnov grew on me as the film got along, but it really was just the interrogations, and I think a lot of that was the other actors coming back in too. Yeah. You know, like Lansbury getting accused <laughs> is, is a scene. So. <laughs> Like you said, the original, we're not really talking about that, but those, I would say the portal was the biggest flaw there as well. Um, and some of the legibility, like when The Rock comes down, I thought that was really like super cheesy and I didn't like that. But overall, good film. In the remake, I, yeah, I like Gal Gadot, but I didn't really buy her as an American heiress, <laughs> you know, like I didn't, I just felt like she's, she doesn't have that, that like over the top passion in her acting. She's, she's generally flat, which isn't like a real big dig, but like she doesn't have this like crazy range that she plays in. Yeah. And I just thought that it, she didn't meet the moment in a way that like Emma Mackey did. And like, man, more of that. When Letitia Wright really got going, more of that. And I think these character actors, like Russell Brand being one of the biggest examples, didn't get to character act. And it's like, well, what was the point? <laughs> I like really don't know why they cast Russell Brand other than like maybe someone likes him and was like, hey, he can do serious too. But okay, serious isn't really that. Comedy's harder on screen. <laughs> so it, I don't know. I just felt like 
everyone was underutilized. I like the Kenneth Branagh arc. It's yeah. my favorite part of the film, but that's not that's not why I went to see Death in the Nile. Right. <laughs> so, so I was very impressed that like Kenneth Branagh got to you know as a director make his character more interesting yeah. than, it should, than it should be. But it was at the expense of a lot of yes. other characters. Um, I don't know what the hell is happening with Army Hammer and the delay. I don't think that that... Maybe the delay probably helped the film, I think, especially in the box office with COVID and all that stuff. But it's not that great of an interpretation of Death the Nile. So it probably shouldn't exist, even though it's, it's a fine film. Yeah. If you like it, I get it. I like a lot of the actors that are in it. I like what mm-hmm. Luke did until they kind of shit on him. I like what Kenneth Branagh did throughout the film. I thought the Miss Otterborn romance was fun and interesting. It just took away from the main story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this movie probably shouldn't exist, at least not the way they did it. Fair enough. Wow. Like, yeah. I'm really surprised by that. Like, <laughs> dude, dude, I came here today, like, I'm surprised by your reaction. I'm surprised by my verdict, too. I thought I'd be okay with it because the murder on the Orange You moved me with Book, by the way. I I, I just kind of like, yeah, I like Book. And then you were like, look what they did to my boy. I see how it massacred my boy. Seriously. No, I thought the murder on the Orient Express had built enough goodwill where I was going to be like, yeah. And I am kind of curious to see like where Poirot's arc goes. Right. Because they are most likely making a third film. Probably. So I'll watch that. But like at the end of the day, you know, comparing this to the source material and like just comparing it to that original movie, which did the murder mystery thing much better. It's just a much more fun film. Clue! Oh my God! (laughs) It is Clue. So I was like, yeah, when we started talking about Book, I was like, wait a minute. I don't think I think (laughs) that what I was going to think. So... It's really funny that we both kind of flipped. When, yeah, when you said the boot thing, that put me over the top. And um, like I said, I, I'm glad I gave the original another pass through because I just, I got a lot more appreciation for it watching it again. Maybe that would happen if I watched the remake again. But honestly, I think I watched it in the best conditions I was going to. Mm. Having recently read the book, having been at a theater, with like a glass of wine and stuff like that, like I was kind of locked in. Yeah, I, I a theater is a theater. I don't know if I can watch a film as intended. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Any other way, right? So, um, I think I watched it at the Menlo Park, the oh, nice. AMC Dining yeah, yeah, Theater. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's where I watched it. Theater, nice. Because <laughs> you get a beer. <laughs> get a beer. Watch a movie. Um, yeah, I just uh, my original rationale to see it was I knew in my head, I was like, this is going to look yeah, fucking great. It's going to be just a big showing. And uh, yeah, I just it didn't quite match the expectations that I wanted. Yeah, and the mystery element wasn't strong enough to account for that. Because like, if it looked amazing and it had the same plot, mm-hmm. I'd probably be like fanboying about it. Yeah. You know, but it, it looked like kind of okay. You know, it was a little, it was a little lacking. Even the boat, I was like, this is the boat. <laughs> I just thought, I thought it was going to be bigger. And it, it didn't, it felt like a smaller film versus like Murder on the Orient Express, which I didn't see that coming. And like watching, I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. That emotional beat. Uh, the train the movie... looks sick too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, train looked, the train looked amazing. But like you have that emotional beat in Murder in the Orient Express, like when, 
Michelle Pfeiffer's character is pretty much coming clean and just like explaining like why everybody's murdering her. It's just yeah. like, what? Yeah. I, mean, I didn't expect to feel like this way because I read the book. I knew right. it was coming, and right. then to to surprise me like that, I was so happy. And and I was you could have that easily in Death of the Nile. There's so many love stories you could really make like Jackie and Simon these tragic characters. Yeah. Who just like really took love in a sick and twisted direction just to get money. It, like the way they filmed the end, it played that way. Like the way it was filmed, right. but everything in between didn't feel that way. Cause I thought when they had that final sort of shooting scene, mm -hmm. I was like, that is it's a little poetic the way it was yeah, filmed. Absolutely. Especially like I said, the foreshadowing with yeah. Cleopatra, the whole yeah. remake, which I don't think they were mentioned at all in the original film. No. So it was, I like that. I yeah. like that stuff. There's some good stuff in that remake. But even like the Mia Farrow, like that scene is way cheesier and stupider in the original. Like, <laughs> bang. <laughs> bang like it just it looks bad um versus the remake but they did a lot of other things better yeah <laughs> better <laughs> i think the cast the main thing was the cast was used more efficiently yeah that, that's I got more out of them it just like i said did a great job of raising the suspicion level yep. i could easily believe everybody could be a suspect mm -hmm. and like had good motivation uh, so I know better. I was like looking at the maid, like <laughs> it was you, <laughs> and it was fun. Like we mentioned, it was fun seeing those characters do it, because like you know what happens in the book, but like you get to see what if the other characters yeah. did it. Yeah. You know, like that's kind of fun too. That is really fun. Oh well, you know, I, like you said, I, if they do a third one, I'm definitely gonna go see it. I'm gonna read whatever book it's attached <laughs> to, but uh, I hope that the next time they're able to really use that sort of Hollywood budget and make it big. Because right. Orient Express, the story lends itself to everyone kind of being the hero by then, which is nice. This story, I think you're right. They could have found a way to make more people the hero. And I don't know, like that send off of the boat felt like a low point, actually. Like he solved the mystery and it felt... Yeah. Like a low point. It was an empty victory because he lost his like best friend. Right. That's a great point. Great point. So yeah, it was just riding that wave, and then you have this almost bittersweet ending, which gives you some hope. And hopefully, if they do a third film, you get to ride that hope wave and not have yeah. to go into the lows. Yeah, because like the way that remake ends, it does feel like our hero lost. Yeah, it does. It does. It's like a <laughs> which one? Uh, Dark Knight. Turns or whatever. Rises? Rises, yeah. Felt a little like the Dark Knight Rises. Like, it kind of worked out, but it didn't feel like a, <laughs> a high point of the series. But, I don't know. Interesting. Interesting film, but just didn't didn't hit all the notes it needed to. Yeah, it didn't hit all the notes it needed to. And then, you know, when you compare it to a movie that came out 40-plus years earlier, right. and then I feel like they did it better. Well, what are you doing? Yeah. Okay, come on. Yeah. Even like I watched, I watched the remake with Sam, and then I and she was kind of came in while I was watching the original, mm -hmm. and then like afterwards she was just like, you know what? I think the original's better. I'm like, yeah. you're not wrong. She's not wrong. <laughs> Sam's not wrong. Uh, not, not this time. Yeah, I just uh, I don't know. There were some missed opportunities, and I, like they had built up a lot of goodwill with both of us. So for us to get to this conclusion means that there was something off. But mm -hmm. yeah. whatever, you know. 
There's more movies. It's tough. You know, <laughs> I, I'm sure because that movie was supposed to come out much earlier. I'm sure mm -hmm. COVID affected production heavily. Had to. And then, to. like, that probably maybe uh, changed the script. Like, yeah. oh, we can't even do that. So let's just do this instead. Great point. Yeah, I mean, that could be a big factor because, like, when I'm sitting here saying it should be bigger, when you really think about it, the cast is basically stripped down to the suspects for a majority of the film. Mm -hmm. Like, there's not a lot of other players. Mm -hmm. And even the original film, there's some interesting portrayals, but, like, there's people about the ship. Yes. You know, and this felt, like I said earlier, this felt a little claustrophobic because, like, a lot of it is these sort of, you're talking, I'm talking, cameras over here, cameras over here, and maybe that is a COVID result with mm -hmm. people not in the same place, not actually talking to each other, could affect the, mm -hmm. uh, the performance. Yeah. So I'll give them that. And they had a lot of problems with controversies uh, between mm -hmm. Army Hammer, who, uh, I don't know, he became a cannibal or something like that, uh, Letitia Wright got yeah. a little bit of heat for, for anti-vax yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think there was I think there was more to it as well, but like those two jump out at me and uh, a film that I was pretty excited about just kind of kept getting pushed back and delayed. And yeah, because it was it was supposed to come out like early last year, right? Or no, no, I'm sorry, uh, it was 2021, but I think it might have been October or something. Really? Or definitely sometime in 2021. Yeah. I don't know the exact number, but yeah, it was pushed back. Interesting. I mean, funny enough, because uh, I'm, I'm editing this episode now, so I'm almost done actually, but like, funny enough, like you look at something like Dune, how many times that got pushed back and what that did to other films too, like mm -hmm. a lot of movies that got pushed back, this one, the interpretation is sort of the controversies, but I'm sure a lot of it is just like naturally moving back, but I think it actually helped this film to come out. This year, I bet the box office did a little bit better oh, yeah. than it would have last year. Yeah, of course, because nobody's going to theaters last year. Yeah, this movie, I don't think, kind of dies on the vine because of the timing. And they, if they are doing another one, they get good enough numbers that you could go down that path again. Because I think if it came out last year, it would have been, I think it would have been dead in the water. Yeah. Like a lot of films. Yeah. You know. Fun fact, the remake was released on my birthday, February 11th. Hey! Hmm. <laughs> Nice. Did you go on your birthday? No. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I've had better birthdays than this. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So that's what we thought about Death on the Now. What did you guys think? Did you agree with us? Did you disagree with us? Did we miss something? We do that sometimes. Let us know in the comments. We love hearing from you guys. All right, Reggie. So next episode. Okay. <laughs> what I want to do is... Ninja Turtles! Wow. We're going to do Ninja Turtles. No, 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 Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Actually, guys, I'm going to tell you this. I already told Reggie this. Um, we're doing Ninja Turtles because this is actually going to be my last episode, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, it's a bit Everything of a bummer. Time-wise, I got a second job, and uh, it's just, I have no time these days. But hopefully Reggie continues on this series. Absolutely. And if time ever allows, and Dan wants to step back into the role, I mean, you're always... Dan Bulick is Retro versus Remake. I don't know if you want your full name. Well, your full name's over there. Yeah, yeah, everybody knows why. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> yeah, your Retro versus Remake, uh, it's, you know, I think I learned a lot about sort of 
producing and making different types of shows by working with you. Uh, a lot of times I work with comedians who have different levels of expertise, we'll put it that way, and working with you and like the work you've done on council wars and stuff like that, it taught me a lot about making something on YouTube and trying to do it like good. <laughs> good is important. And I think that we really hit a, a really cool stride with the show and have had some interesting conversations about movies. I'm sure we're not going to stop having conversations about movies, oh, yeah, and sure. uh, whether it's on this platform or somewhere else, uh, you know, mm. we'll, we'll do it. And I'll try to keep the name going strong. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'll be back for the Scarface episode. Yeah. <laughs> when we push it to the limit, you will be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's to happen. But yeah, anything like RoboCop, Ninja Turtles, and Scarface, you're <laughs> you're involved, my friend. Absolutely. Oh, but man, thanks, dude. No. Yeah. No, man. Thank you. Yeah. You're going to keep going. You'll, uh, be, you'll be fine. Yep. I got I got a, someone in mind who could probably step into uh, your role. I think I'm going to become more of the analyst <laughs> <laughs> person at that point. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, who knows? But we're going to definitely keep this going because I talked to people who were like, oh, I like for you guys breaking this down. Mm -hmm. So can't let, can't let the community down, can't man. Can't let the fans down, and, man. I'm sure this is not the last episode that you're going to be on. Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> no, no shot. I'm definitely going to do some pop-ins. Hell yeah. Dude, oh, that. Also, I just keep throwing at movies. Judge Dredd, too. Judge Dredd, yep. That one. Yep, Judge Dredd, oh, 100%. <laughs> What's the one? Short Circuits, too? You got it. You got it. It's getting a remake. Oh, uh, my God. If, we do, if they do Short Circuits, uh, <laughs> you're taking over the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Even Mortal Kombat, where you're talking Mortal about Kombat. Mortal Kombat, you definitely have shit we to say about that. to do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. When when your schedule is more opened up, mm -hmm. uh, that'll come. You won't know when that's going to happen, but Mortal Kombat, you're. <laughs> yeah, has to. Any Colin's Wars fan who's joined the stream knows what I have to say about <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Scorpion. <laughs> Scorpion. <laughs> cool. That's awesome, awesome, man. All right. Well, that. Pretty much concludes it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. If you're listening on iTunes, if you can give us a five-star review, greatly help the channel grow. If you're on YouTube, be sure to like, comment, subscribe. We love the comments and interacting with you guys. Reggie. Yep. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Retro versus Remake. Um, like you mentioned, Spotify, five-star reviews, comments. Love it. We're definitely going to keep this, uh, this ship going because this is a great concept and we're gonna you know we're gonna continue to watch films and talk about them so um yeah man they're sweet, they're sweet <laughs> but you know we're not done so i'm reggie parker and i'm dan bielek this has been another episode of retro, retro versus, versus remake, remake.